Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. Today we're discussing One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, the film, not the novel. However, we'll do a little bit of a comparison between the two, just kind of, um, you know, uh, the things that it actually took perspectives from, the characters, different uh, little Easter eggs, things like that. Uh, I actually haven't read the novel, but I've heard some, uh, you know, loose notes about it, so I'll I'll cover those as well. Um, so yeah, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is a 1975 an American drama film directed by Milos Forman, based on the 1962 novel of the same name by Ken Kesley. The film stars Jack Nicholson as Randall McMurphy, a new patient at a mental institution, and features a supporting cast of Louise Fletcher, who I heard she begged to get this role, even though they were trying to get a, a quote-unquote bigger name at the time, like a, a Jane Fonda or some sorts. But what I heard is the uh, portrayals of the uh, women in this movie weren't exactly what Jane Fonda and other stars were looking for. They wanted um, this really high-profile name, and um, they Louise Fletcher, to my knowledge, was just begging and begging to get this role, so finally they, they turned it over to her, and I think she nailed it out of the park. It also has Will Sampson, uh, Sidney Lassick, William Redfield. While being the film debut for Christopher Lloyd, Best well known for Roger Rabbit, Adam's Family, Back to the Future, and as well as uh, Danny DeVito, as well as uh, Brad Dorf. Um, so I was just fascinated by all of these uh, individuals that didn't originally have this big, uh, drawn out notoriety of uh of stars like these are the beginnings of the stars and so i, I as a film fanatic I, I don't know if i call myself a fanatic but as a, a film enthusiast i guess um it's just fascinating to see where a lot of these people got or, or these actors got their uh stomping ground and where they really uh became uh, well known and my goodness this movie blew me out of the water i'll be honest so the behind-the-scenes stuff that is revealed is just absolutely fascinating. It sounds like the reason that this movie feels like it really works to the degree that it does is because all of these actors really were entrenched in uh, an actual mental hospital. They stayed in like an institution and they studied uh, specific uh, patients that had uh, disorders that they were, you know, quote unquote acting like, I guess, or kind of mimicking in a way. I, and I think that they did it fairly respect, respectfully, um, for the most part. Um, and they actually had, uh, I think the actors were bunking with each other the same way they were in like the movie. And so without going into too much spoilers, a lot of these actors were kind of uh, going full method, if you know what I mean. You know, they were actually staying uh, like in the institutions. Danny DeVito apparently was 
talking to an imaginary friend and having questioning whether or not this imaginary friend was going to be there. And there's doctors on the set that apparently diagnosed some of the actors with actually being sick. Uh, I think it was Sidney Lassick apparently was exhibiting uh, behaviors that looked like he might have been actually developing uh, some sort of... They didn't specifically say he was developing schizophrenia as he was acting in the movie, but they said that he was acting erratically during the movie, which was causing some people to say, like, uh, are you all right, man? You know, like, there's just really fascinating behind-the-scenes details of the the actual movie that went on that doesn't even have anything to do with the actual movie itself. And so um, the movie is good enough that you're, you want to kind of dive in this little rabbit hole and find out all these little niche uh, uh, fun. I guess some of them are fun facts, but some of them are actually quite, um, you know, shit got real on the set, if you know what I mean. Like, I think it was Sidney Lassick uh, as, uh, let me see, I forgot, as Cheswick. Um, yeah, Cheswick, one of my favorite characters on here that is not exactly, quote-unquote, one of the the main lead stars, I think feels like one of the most real characters. And what I did find out is Milos Foreman was just um, rolling the camera constantly. He kind of was um, a little bit, in a way, like a, a, a Kubrick in a way when he was... I don't think he would drive the people nuts when they're, you know... Um, on set like Kubrick did, but he was kind of doing a little bit of manipulation with, um, I think some of the institution shots were actually, uh, supposed to be like just practicing shots. Like they weren't actually that some of the shots that they use in the movie were supposed to be just the actors, uh, you know, trying on their lines kind of, they, they didn't actually know that the cameras were running at certain times and uh, according to like imdb and wikipedia and some of these other uh interesting uh nuggets of places to get nuggets of information so you know take that with a grain of salt but from what i can tell and all the other podcasts that i've listened to uh about it it's seems fairly plausible that this uh the reason that this movie is that popular is just because you know they live this shit so with having all that incredible notoriety on top of that, it is uh, number 33 on America Film Institute's 100, 100 movies list. The film was second in to win all five major Academy Awards, Best Picture, Actor in Lead Role, Actress in Lead Role, Director, Screenplay, sorry, Director and Screenplay, um, which uh, had only happened, it followed one night in 1934 before, which is... Uh, pretty crazy and is not going to be repeated again like none of these movies are going to hit those kind of accolades again until 1991 which is uh the silence of the lambs which also won uh tons of awards as well but uh according to wiki it says in 1993 the film uh you know one flew over the cuckoo's nest uh was deemed culturally and historically or aesthetically significant by the United States Library of Congress and selected for preservation in the National Film Registry. So uh, among all of those accolades, yeah, it's it's like culturally significant to the point where it's just like, uh, 
um, it, it's made that kind of impact in society. So honestly, the more I find out and just read about this film, it's just fascinating. It So apparently it was turned into a Broadway play like a year after it was created. Danny DeVito was uh, one of the um, uh, actors in there. He actually played Martini, and I think he was actually one of the first actors that were cast in the movie as well. And so, um, yeah, you just you just fall down this rabbit hole and you're just like, my goodness. Gene Wilder, uh, everyone knows uh, him as Willy Wonka in the 70s. He played uh, Billy Babbitt. I would love to see some footage of him as Billy Babbitt. I just think the character of Billy Babbitt was fascinating. Um, and so, I yeah, I, I'm actually just now learning about this, that it was a, a play before. So it was, it was originally a novel, then it turned into a play, and then the about a little over 10 years later, um, about 12 years later, it became a movie. And from there, actor Kirk Douglas, who originated the, uh, who had originated the role of McMurphy in 63 and 64, 12 years earlier, uh, had purchased the rights to the story. And he had tried for a decade to bring it to the big screen, but was unable to find a studio willing to make it with him. So he eventually sold the rights to his son, who succeeded in getting the film produced. But uh, the elder Douglas, by then 60, was considered too old for McMur the McMurphy role, um, which then went to Jack Nicholson. Um, let me see what else. Um, Jack Nicholson feels like all of the casting in this, honestly, I'll go ahead with the pros and the cons. I'm trying to go a little bit more in depth with this review just because it feels like it, it deserves that. Um, yeah, the casting, absolutely phenomenal. Apparently they couldn't get uh, uh, Jack Nicholson originally off the uh, off the bat, and so they had to wait a little bit. Apparently that gave them time to get some of the ensemble cast, and my goodness, it was just fascinating to see uh, you know the cast that came the writing obviously they've had time to refine this they had the novel of Ken Kessie is it Ken Kessie uh, yeah his uh, his novel and his screenplay so they had time to refine it um, the novel I believe from what I heard it takes place from the chief's perspective and now I, originally when I heard chief I was like you, I, is it culturally inappropriate to call a native american person chief if they're not actually a chief so i was trying to navigate uh how much of this is actually um you know okay at this point and, and isn't but it appears that his name is chief so we'll just go with that and just know that we don't mean any insensitivity when we say that so i actually found an interesting um uh an interesting uh, quote by Milo's foreman. I believe this is uh, given this was uh, this is on wiki. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. It says foreman wrote in 2012. To me, the story was not just literature, but real life. The life I lived in Czechoslovakia from birth in 1932 until 1968. The Communist Party was my nurse Ratchet, telling me what I could and could not do, 
what I was or was not allowed to say, where I was and was not allowed to go, even who I was and was not. And so this is um, clearly a movie that is about, you know, the problem with the hierarchy of authority and obviously how we are supposed to um, it, it's a it's a movie about uh, many things, but it's it's mostly about that. Among other things, is also about uh, mental institutions, mental instability, mental diseases, uh, how we are supposed to interact with these people. Uh, uh, when I say these people, I I don't mean like you know the, talking down these people. No, I'm talking like. Um, people that have uh, mental disabilities and problems that hinder them from having a quote-unquote regular everyday life. That is what this movie is uh, trying to tackle in a way. And uh, the character of McMurphy is kind of the proxy of saying, you know, we need to upend the system. And he's... they. What happened in the 70s to my knowledge is there was a big revolution of, you know, against quote unquote against the system. And I feel like this movie kind of, uh, correlates with what was going on at the time and can be applied to yes, the seventies. Uh, and I think the movie actually took place. Um, what was it in 63? So if it, it takes place in 63, but honestly what happens and it feels like it could be relatively timeless, give or take a few years and, you know, changing a few things in the script, but it does kind of have that, uh, that timeless feel when it comes to the ensemble cast and how they are interacting and how they are, um, you know, coexisting. I mean, um, the way that people interact, what it seems at like, I haven't been in a mental institution um, ever, so I wouldn't be able to say exactly what the inside day-to-day uh, -day life is like. But if it's anything like we see in the movies, anything like we see in the TV, you know, they seem to have a regular tentative schedule. And McMurphy, the character Jack Nicholson is playing, is here to, uh, you know, up in that schedule up in the, the system. And I did hear that there was a little bit of friction between Jack Nicholson and the director, uh, Milo's foreman, not exactly sure how much, uh, you know, uh, truth there is to that. But when I say that there was, you know, friction, I, I had heard that Nicholson wouldn't even take direction from the, from the director. He had to take, he was only talking through the cinematographer. So, it's just like it's a wonder that this actually turned out to be good, but it's a. It's, I do find it fascinating how many times that there are movies and uh, pieces of work where the people behind the camera, or the main people behind the camera, or the main guy behind the camera, and the main person in front of the camera are not exactly on the same page, um, but yet they can still make magic. It's it, it, sometimes it's uh, it's beyond reasoning to to me. So on top of the stellar cast that is obviously on screen, there is people behind the screen. We got, uh, what do we got? Lawrence Huben, Bo Gold, uh, Goldman on the screenplay. We've got uh, music by Jack Nitschke, I believe. I'm actually not too familiar with this guy, but um, I think he did the scores for Performance, The Exorcist. 
Um, and uh, yeah, that's about all I can find right now. But um, the cinematography is uh, by Haskell Wexler and Bill Butler. Bill Butler is the guy that is shot uh, the cinematography for The Conversation in 74, Jaws 75, the three Rocky sequels. Like this, this has uh, some real power behind the cinematography. Even the editing. Um, not too familiar with uh, Sheldon Kahn or Lindsay Kingman, but Richard Chu. Richard Chu uh, is known for working on one of the most notable brands and or movies of all time, at least at this point, Star Wars. Richard Chu, the editor of this movie, also was an editor on Star Wars, uh, A New Hope, which is fascinating to find out. This is one of his previous, uh, you know, earlier films. I don't remember any of the editing in uh, of Star Wars feeling like it resembled this at all. The, the 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 editing in Star Wars is so unique to that property. It's just like uh, um, George Lucas had. I don't know if it was his vision of doing like the wipes and the, uh, you know, the whoosh, you know, the whooshes and stuff like that. It's like, I don't exactly know who is responsible for that, but it's, it is fascinating to find out. It's got some of the same people in it, um, making these two films. So anyways, um, yeah, running at 133 minutes, I found this in a, a budget of three to 4 million. Um, and it ended up grossing, a box office of 136 million. I know that I think the actors were taking a really big pay cut when they were going on to it for, I guess, royalties of the film. Uh, and they ended up cashing in big time on it. Um, I, at least that's what I heard Jack Nicholson did. At least I'm not sure if all of the actors did. So, um, yeah, I found this movie pretty damn rewatchable. When I first watched it, I was. And, you know, I was really tense and I wasn't sure if I was going to enjoy it uh, because of the tense nature. And I was getting uh, Clockwork Orange vibes a lot at the beginning with how they were dealing with the mental institution and the people in it. Like, I wasn't sure how much respect they were going to have for the people, how much respect the people were going to have for, uh, you know, the authority. And I was like, this is just looking like it's going to upend itself in the, the most negative of ways that I can think of. And so... Um, yeah, I, I was scared to death. There was going to be some really horrible scenes in this movie. And without going into spoilers, I think this was an awesome fucking time for, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's, a um, it's not a holiday film, but it definitely feels like a film that you need to watch when it's cold outside and, uh, possibly, you know, around, you know, the holiday season, maybe right after Thanksgiving or something like that. This, it, it feels exactly like a, a Thanksgiving Christmas kind of movie that you'd watched around there for some reason because it's just taking place in certain seasons and stuff like that. But really the movie could, uh, it didn't have to take place in that season. It just makes it feel like, oh, we need to bundle up and watch a little One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, and before I forget, um, I guess this is a little bit of a spoilerish, but um, we're going to start going into the plot of the movie. But without going into any anything else, yes, this is absolutely a movie you need to watch. It's an instant classic. It looks amazing, sounds amazing. You got uh, amazing people in front of the camera. You got amazing people behind the camera. The small things that leave it outdated uh, feel like they're somewhat addressed in the movie. Um, and my 
shortcomings, the the criticisms uh, are very minuscule. They're minor and they're just small scenes I probably would have just excluded of the movie that kind of feel like they're a little bit tonally out of it. But um, that's just all of my preference. Um, Yeah. Let me know what you thought about the podcast before I go into spoilers. Let me know what you thought about uh, the movie as well. So let's talk about where the origin of the nursery rhyme comes in. And uh, again, sorry if I got any of this information uh, incorrect. Hop in the comments. Let me know how I can improve. Let me know if there's anything specific I, specific I missed. Let me know what you thought about the review. Let's go into... Um, the origin of unfortunately this is where we're gonna have to leave the non-patreon members if you're listening to this on soundcloud or any other podcast provider youtube you are probably listening to the free version if you want to hear the non-spoiler take on this podcast please go to patreon.com slash lucky doll podcast for the entire archive you'll have access to Movies that were five years and older, you'll have access to new podcasts, you'll also have access to the entire archive. $2, $3, and $5. Three reasonable prices, we believe, that can help us uh, progress and grow our business here at the Lucky Dog Podcast. So, thank you for listening, watching Lucky Dog Podcast. Let me know how I can improve. Be sure to thumbs up five stars, whatever platform you're on, follow, subscribe, whatever you can do to help. Also, you can share, share the podcast, that, share it with your friends. This is how it grows. Let people know that we have something good, that we have that good good, that we have the reviews that are in-depth and interesting and, you know, pass the time along, you know, you, you won't be bored. You'll be entertained in a way, hopefully. I, I, I that, that's, uh, that's my job, uh, in a way. So yeah, thank you for listening, watching Look It Out Podcast. Take it easy.